In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, there's Elton John for you. No one can argue with the use of an Elton John song for an introduction. He's top-notch. He's a great musical professional. I'm sure he does actually have the blues now, along with 99% of the rest of the world, and is probably playing that song over and over wherever he is. That's probably right, Brad. That's probably right. But we've led with Elton John before. We'll do it again. Solid uh, performer, one of the great um, singers of the 1980s and beyond. Yeah, prior to, during, after, and uh, hopefully for many more years to come. Many years to come. Well, here we are once again. We'll get to the business report, Brad. Um, But first, we have to let everyone know that they can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com. And uh, y'all can go follow us on the Instagram at IP underscore frequently, where Brad, I believe we recently topped uh, many thousands of followers, many thousands. Right now, the big board is up and it just keeps ticking. So it's tough to pinpoint where we're at. But at IP underscore frequently, many, many followers on the Instagram, thousands. Some would say tens of thousands, others would not. Brad, uh, look at the studio audience. They are uh, tanned, rested and ready to go. First, Brad, everyone is wondering about the latest count on the real big board, the Olympics. Um, you know, we're going towards the finality. We're wrapping up here in Beijing or Red China there, rather not not here. But uh, any any comments? Looks like Norway is the outright leader in uh, in meddling at this point. Well, no surprise. Uh, M-E-D-A-L-I-N-G. We don't want to accuse Norway of meddling, if you know no. what I mean. Uh, no surprise there. I mean, the, the uh, Scandinavian states always put on a good show at the Winter Olympics, as they should, as it's winter, 11 and a half months out of the year there. Um, but I'll tell you what, buddy, it, it's just, it's, you know, we continue to sort of work our way backwards when it comes to the Winter Olympics. And I wonder if it's not because many of the events in the Winter Olympics require a great bit of determination and you know the sort of endurance sports right where you're going to have to suffer and you're going to have to suffer over long distances in order to be able to compete and you know we seem to be a country that as soon as a virus comes knocking on the door we're content to curl up in a ball in the corner and wait for the government to send us checks and so i wonder if if that you know sort of take all comers attitude necessary to succeed in many of the events you find in the winter Olympics, we've sort of lost our edge there. It could very well be a lot of people. It could just be the people that don't like the cold too. Just don't like the cold. 
But first, Brad, before we get to any of the Olympics and tally down the big board, and we're going to go country by country all the way from Norway to Cameroon if we have to. But before we go there, Brad, we have to talk about the two things you need at home to operate your small business this week. Just two things. Just hold up two fingers. Those two things. This is all you need to know. And otherwise, you just shut it down, right? You don't need a controller, right? You don't need a controller at this point. You don't need a CFO. You need to know these two things. And if you do, and if you write them down carefully, misspellings are fine, but don't take anything out of context. Then you take that notebook with you that you've been keeping each week, take it to your office, and uh, just start lecturing people on these two items, and you're fine. Yeah, you've got all you need. You can use shorthand. You can use longhand. You can write with pen. You can write with pencil. You can tap it out with your thumbs into your phone if that's the way you like to roll. However you want to do it. The important thing is you have the information. That's look, the important Brad, thing. And Brad, you can take these 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 things that you're parroting back that we're saying and bring them into your boss and negotiate a new deal. Yeah, no, people do it all the time. I've heard that people do that all the time. Uh, Brad, the number one thing people need to know about this week is it looks like it looks like speaking of the Scandinavian countries, the Nobel Peace Prize is going to go to your friend, your friend Vlad the Impaler Putin, who has now stepped back from the Ukrainian border, right? maybe about 10% of the troops, and he is willing to negotiate after, believe it or not, a trip uh, to Moscow by Otto von Bismarck, the German premier. Uh, looks like the Ukrainian tension has been ratcheted down a little bit. Uh, Putin is saying he's willing to negotiate. I believe those negotiations are going to include the full control of the Ukraine by Russia. But again, I'm not one to judge. I certainly can't negotiate myself. Lord knows that. Um, so, Brad, what do you think? Is uh, Putin in line for a Nobel Peace Prize? Well, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't be. I mean, that's kind of the way you get yourself a Peace Prize, right? Or at least it has been over the last several years. You create a crisis and then you solve the crisis you created. And then you sort of raise your hand and say, well, look, you know, absent me, we wouldn't have peace here. And for whatever reason, the folks that hand out said prize don't ever seem to want to ask the what I think is, you know, sort of relatively obvious question of, well, you created the crisis that you solved. Shouldn't that count against you? Nobody asked that question. And so, hey, you know what? I, I say Putin has, you know, done it again. He's a clever guy. He, you know, got people to you know, sort of give him, give in to him on in certain respects with what he was doing there, kind of posturing around the Ukraine. And, you know, now not only has he been able to kind of push some folks' buttons, certainly made the White House look completely ridiculous with his posturing, and now he's backed off and, you know, may be in the running for a peace prize, which again, here on IP frequently we refer to as irony, but uh, the Nobel Award Committee seems to think that that's, you know, just par for the course. And one of the things that the Nobel people look for, Brad, are aesthetics, right? Good aesthetics. And if anyone has been following the news this past week, they would notice this gorgeous 20-foot-long Italian-made gold leaf table that uh, Putin has brought into the Kremlin for these meetings, right? A couple of weeks ago, he met with uh, Premier Macron from France, and then he met with von Hindenburg from Germany this week. And what he does is he sits at one end of the 20 foot long uh, Italian gold leaf table. And the That's other world is the Putin end, the Putin end. Yeah, the Putin yeah. end. He's yeah. got the wind at his back. He does. And uh, then you've got the other world leader, 
usually a mindless twit at the other end, 20 yeah. feet away. That's First the all, chump end. The chump end. There's no yeah. way, there's no way you can hear. And by the way, going into those meetings, it's not like they flip a coin and you get to pick one and you go to the non, you go to the chump end when you yeah. go in that meeting room. Sun's in your eyes, wind's in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's got these these leaders way at the other end of the table. They can't there's no way they can hear anything the other person is saying. And Putin just doesn't care. He just sits there and snickers a little bit and he moves on. The table cost one hundred thousand euros. And Brad, it was made with covid social distancing in mind. He has cornered all the bases here. I predict he is going to have the peace prize. Well, and I guess you would have to then look and see who else might be in the running, right? And if the answer is no one, if no one else has created an international crisis, forced a number of world leaders into running around with their pants around their ankles and sitting at the chump end of the table, and then backed off, thereby creating an opportunity for peace that, you know, again, no one's asking, well, hey, wait a minute, three or four months ago, no one cared about this. If there's no one else who has positioned themselves as nicely as Putin has, well, then I guess, the award goes to him. Well, and then and then you certainly it certainly does beg the question because the other news item of the week also relates to Russia, and obviously the uh, special counsel John Durham has now come out with more information and another indictment filed in federal court against another one of the Clinton campaign staffers and people affiliated with the Clinton campaign and the and the uh, Obama White House that spied on the Trump campaign. Uh, it now looks like um, there were direct financial ties between the Clinton campaign, their law firm, Perkins Cooley, and uh, this tech firm that uh, actually hacked Trump Tower, hacked White House servers um, in an attempt to find a Kremlin link, which obviously there never was one with the Trump campaign. But the news here is that the Obama White House knew about this. Uh, what they were doing was using this information, according to the indictment, um, by a federal prosecutor, using this information to try to convince the CIA and FBI to open up uh, investigations that ultimately led to the Mueller probe. And then the fact that this continued, uh, this this surveillance continued after Trump was, uh, was sworn in as president for many months. Um, I mean, incredibly... Troubling, and at the mean in the meantime, you look down to the Putin end of the table, and that SOB is just sitting there smirking away as these ham-handed fools on both sides uh, are are behaving like this in the U.S. Well, but it's just—I mean—to say it's embarrassing is the understatement of the year. Brad, we said that there were two important stories that you have to take with you. A new study is out. The number of children, and this is a new study out, it's on par with COVID, Fauci has vetted it, the number of children under five in the U.S. who have been poisoned by eating their parents' pot brownies and pot gummies, again, pot brownies, pot gummies, some people like them, they're legal, Brad, in a number of states, uh, is soared by 320% over the last couple of years uh, as more states legalize the drug. So I ask you, um, Brad, do you think this study and do you think the results of the study and people inadvertently popping um, uh, pot gummies and brownies, in particular young kids, but I assume this can happen to old people and press secretaries as well. Um, do you think this has anything to do with U.S. foreign and domestic policy mishaps? Well, I, I think relating this particular pot brownie slash gummy pandemic to our 
foreign and domestic political mishaps may be a stretch. I mean, you got more people who are turning to pot, you know, in order to, you know, kind of calm down and try to relax a little bit in the environment in which we're in. But I, I, you know, parents have just slipped in that role as well, right? And part of that is because they've been burdened with being their their children's daycare providers, their children's education providers, their children's public health monitors, required to give their children COVID tests here and there and everywhere, force their two-year-olds to put on masks or not be able to get on an airplane. And I'm sure they're just worn out. And now, you know, not paying attention to the fact that a kid is very reasonably looking at a brownie sitting on a table and going, well, I don't know much about much. I'm no Nobel Peace Laureate, but that looks like a brownie and I'm going to eat it. Right. And meanwhile, mom and dad are passed out on the couch. I mean, we have got to start getting a grip on, you know, what right looks like. We're going to have to pull the nose up from all of these issues into which our leadership is taking us. And it starts at the top, right? I mean, all of these, you know, created social crises, you know, all of the riots that we just let go on unabated because, you know, if one group of people does it, it's fine. If another group of people does it, it's an insurrection. Uh, If we don't pull the nose up from that, these are the kinds of things we're going to continue to see. I mean, it it almost makes you yearn for the days of the 1950s where, you would go to work, you'd have five or six martinis at lunch, drive home, not a problem in the world, no car wrecks then. And those are the people that gave you the Vietnam War. So listen, um, what generation do you think is better? I say that uh, that uh, clearly goes to the uh, folks of the 1950s. They weren't having brownies. They weren't, no, no extra calories. I mean, a martini has 70 calories in it, Brad. Uh, listen, though, speaking Funny, they of- They were leaving it to Beaver. That's what they were doing. That, that's it. Leave it to Beaver and Mr. Ed. Speaking of pop brownies, uh, the folks here in the studio audience are enjoying some cannabis treats that uh, Brad has brought from home. Um, we're not going to let anyone go crazy and have a martini or some uh, uh, wine cooler or anything like that with it. But we have invited one of our uh, local friends, um, to come here and play a little uh, little piano in the background. Brad, you really can't beat piano and uh, cannabis, can you? No, not not to my knowledge. I'm not a huge cannabis guy, um, but I was happy to be able to provide some treats. I mean, living in Colorado, that's something that I can do legally. I don't uh, partake myself. It's just not my thing, but I'm, I'm happy for our studio audience to enjoy as they see fit. And when you combine that and, you know, the, the, I think you're looking for a little mellowness there. You got a little jazz piano in the background, which some folks even on the radio here on the podcast may be able to hear. And buddy, that's a, that's a VIP experience. And that's what we offer on IP frequently. Yeah. Listen, listen, that's right. We're always uh, trying to stay ahead of the curve. And one of the things people love, Brad, is a little bit of the old, uh, you know, the old piano music. We're going to give it to them. Yeah. I mean, here you can have a treat and listen to someone tickle the ivories. That's absolutely right. And listen, for those of you in the studio audience, don't be afraid to put some money in the tip jar. Yeah. Sitting right there on top of the piano, cleverly labeled tips. Absolutely. So again, remember, uh, you can learn more about us and our program on our website, IPFrequently.com. Follow us at Instagram at IP underscore frequently. Uh, next, Brad, we've had such great reception for our Unsolved Mystery segment that we're going to go right into it. This is where you, if you are running, Brad, if you are running an Italian uh, restaurant in Stockton, California, you cannot afford not to be 
advertising on our program during this segment. This is where we are with Unsolved Mysteries. Two weeks ago, we solved the JFK thing. Although I will say I didn't make it to Dealey Plaza because of a weather problem. I'll be there next week. We'll get the pictures uploaded. Last week, we solved the Carly Simon problem. This week, Brad, uh, Adolf Hitler, did he die in the bunker or did he not die in the bunker? Lots of stories. And we're going to solve that this week. What do you think? Let's do it. I mean, who, who doesn't want to know what happened to old Adolf? Well, listen, I think to the, the first thing you want to do is take a step back. The, the Washington Commanders, Brad, your, your favorite team. I mean, you used to be a big Redskins fan. I think your dad had season tickets at one point. Maybe not. Um, have a great player, Jonathan Allen. Do you know Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle for the Washington uh, Commanders now? But here's a little side story. You ready for this? Sure. I, I, I never really was a huge Washington Redskins fan. Didn't hate on them. But as you know, I mean, the, the ancestral home of the Chiefs is central and northern California. So we've always been 49ers fans. I don't love the name Commanders. I'm going to go ahead and lay that out there, but it's not my call to make. But Alan happens to be married to the daughter of Krista and I's former next door neighbor. What do you think about that? Oh, that's excellent. So, John, you, so you, you're familiar with Jonathan Allen. I, I am familiar. I have not met him. Um, but I am certainly familiar with him. We got to share pictures of the wedding with oh, nice. his parents. Yes, it was very Excellent. nice. He seems Excellent. like a, he seems like a gentleman, but he's a great man. He seems like it well, seems like a great. You, you're 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 vouching for him at this point, yeah? Well, I I, I know who uh, he's married to, okay, but I, so you, I suspect you're sandbagging me here. Is I'm that what's sand- happening? I, I, first of all, how could I possibly know that you know Jonathan Allen? Well, you couldn't. That's true. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's or fair. could I? Well, he uh, was. But I don't know him. So listen, listen, and, and this is a game you and I play often, right? Where people mm-hmm. are asked three guests you'd like to have dinner with. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And so your family friend, Jonathan Allen, was asked on an Instagram live or Twitter live, a tweet thing, you know, where he had all his fans on what three people he'd like to have uh, dinner with. And he look, he did great. He said his granddad, which I think you yep. and I would probably both start there. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Maybe not his granddad, but probably our granddad. But again, yeah. you know, I don't know. You know the family. I don't. Have you met his granddad? I am not. You have not. But you're familiar with the family, correct? Yes. Okay. And then he he he, he said, my granddad. Uh, he said, Michael Jackson, the great singer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Hitler. Hmm. And did he follow that up with any sort of, you know, explanatory note as he, to, you know, he, what the conversation would be? He had someone follow up and say, wait a minute. You're saying who you would who who would you have dinner with if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive? He said, "My granddad, Hitler, and Michael Jackson." And then one of the responses came in: two of the three I understand, but please explain Hitler. And then your friend Jonathan Allen said, "Hitler's a military genius, and I love his military tactics. But honestly, I would want to pick his brain about why he did what he did. I'd also like to learn a thing or two about his military acumen." I'm also assuming that the people I've chosen have to answer all my questions honestly. So there you go, Brad. I mean, but, you know what? You ask him, you ask a guy an honest question, you get an honest answer. Now, my guess is that people have now been, you know, haranguing the poor guy for having been honest in his selection of dinner guests. And you know what? Maybe he should have, you know, done a better job of, of trying to defend himself. But it is what it is at this point. Maybe he could have picked someone like Genghis Khan or someone maybe a little bit less controversial. Well, presumably you could pick someone less controversial than Hitler. What about Sun Tzu? 
Sun Tzu would have been a good choice, although there is some debate as to whether Sun Tzu was an, you know, an actual human being or just sort of an amalgamation mm-hmm. of a bunch of you know, military scholarship. But if Sun Tzu ha- was a real person, and I think there are certainly scholars who believe he was, then he might have been a better choice if you were looking for military acumen other than Adolf Hitler. Frankly, Hitler wasn't a military genius. He, he had a lot of military geniuses working for him, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he wasn't. He was probably better known for you know, less military-type things. I, I, but I also don't think that you would get down to the level of whether or not Sun Tzu was a, an actual person uh, on this Twitter exchange. I think you could just basically pick him and move on. Right there, he's not Probably. solving. Said another way, Brad, he's not solving unsolved mysteries there. Right, he's just answering foolish fan questions. But listen, we and creating it, problems for himself along the way. Unfortunately for Mr. Allen, but. we call it foolish. But then, in the same vein, right, in the same vein, Georgia rep Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's that right wing nut that's running around with an AK. She is an odd duck, buddy. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an odd duck. She's an odd duck, and she was asked at a press conference the other day. Um, <laughs> she was asked at the press conference, the press conference the other day, uh, her thoughts on the January sixth um, uh, riot and the investigation by the House committee on that riot. And again, remember, January sixth was the worst sedition, um, I, I believe, since the War of the Roses. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's uh, that's entirely possible. Yeah. And uh, and look, she um, she stood up and she said, pointing to the um, uh, the Capitol Police, she said, look, these uh, gazpacho police are worse than what Adolf Hitler had in the 1940s. The gazpacho. They're they're the soup police. Isn't that a soup? Correct. Correct. It is a uh, a cold soup. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I think she met Gestapo, but uh, um, maybe she she just got back from one of our sponsors, had a nice lunch, bowl of gazpacho, couldn't get it right. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know anyone in Marjorie Taylor Greene's family before I go any further with this? I don't, to my knowledge. I mean, you know, we're all only, you know, two, three, four degrees away from everybody else, my friend. You probably know someone in her family. And we're one degree from Kevin Bacon, every one of us. Yeah, there you go. Well, listen, so I think this solves it. I mean, you know, Jonathan Allen, Marjorie Taylor Green, gazpacho, maybe maybe they're having gazpacho for dinner with Hitler and Mike Jackson. I don't know. Does anyone think- police the gazpacho on the Hill? I mean, does the gazpacho being consumed by our Congress people being policed? Maybe they lace that with the pot. Maybe they did. I mean, that's that's you know, that's a mystery that you and I should dive into. Maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene is onto something. Maybe Gaspacho should be policed. Uh, you know what? I think you're spot on there. I'm going to say he died in the bunker, though. I think it's pretty clear after all this. Yeah, he probably did. I mean, you know, that was sort of the belief at the time. There's obviously some evidence out there that maybe he didn't. He went to Argentina and you know lived out his days there. But I, again, I just. Having worked for the government for a long time, being familiar with governments in general, everybody can look at the state of our government now. I mean, imagine what it would take for Hitler to be living for any period of time in Argentina that would be known to the government there and for no one to have said anything. Plus, buddy, you know that if there was even the hint of a rumor 
that Adolf Hitler was still alive and in Argentina or anywhere else for that matter, the Mossad would have left no stone unturned to go get that bastard, right? I mean, so that's the other thing. When people said, ah, you know, or not, maybe Hitler lived, I, buddy, the Mossad spared no expense, spared no effort in hunting down Nazi war criminals. And if they thought Hitler was around, whew, that would not, I, I just don't think that happened. Uh, next, we uh, move on to your favorite, uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, this week, they have started uh, answering some requests from members of Congress about some of the expenditures in the first full year of the Biden administration. And your good friend, Mark Milley, I believe you also broke bread with him, right? The uh, chairman of the Joint no. Chiefs of Staff? No, we, we've never crossed paths, and I don't like him. Just going to come right out and say it. Well, part of his uh, expenditure budget for uh, last year included 5.3 million hours, and uh, the cost was 535000 on workshops uh, geared at extremism stand-downs. For members of the military, 2.46 million service members averaged two hours each for these uh, extremism stand down um, uh, workshops run by uh, Mark Milley and his ilk. And uh, this is uh, happening while we're um, you know, losing Afghanistan, about to lose the Ukraine, probably to lose Taiwan at some point. North Korea is lobbing missiles into the Sea of Japan. And uh, Mark Milley is having woke. Um, PowerPoint uh, uh, sit downs with members of the armed forces. What do you think that's a good use of his time and uh, funds? Nobody already said it. Right? I mean, if you are asking yourself, if you're sitting here and, and you're saying to yourself, hmm, that's a reasonable question here. We on the one hand, we have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff spending over, you know, half a what would you say it was five hundred thirty five thousand dollars that they spent on this? That seems low. If you're going to educate. 2.46 million people. That seems low. That's what his letter to uh, members of the Republican caucus said. Okay. Well, uh, let's just take him at his word, right? So he spent almost or over half a million bucks, two hours of every military member's time, mm-hmm. right? So you have that on the one hand. Okay. And, and you know what? Maybe there was some positive outcome from that. Maybe one or two of those 2.46 million people needed to hear that. And then let's look at the other hand. In the other hand, we are holding Afghanistan. Right? We are holding our, our current situation with North Korea. We are holding our current situation with Russia and the Ukraine. And it seems to me that if you're looking at that hand, you're saying, boy, we're really not doing well in the arena where the Department of Defense operates. Well, on the other hand, Biden is reaching out diplomatically, not to Vladimir Putin. He's not sitting at the chump end of the table other than proverbially yet. But he is uh, reaching out and telling Justine Trudeau, the premier of Canada, that uh, he can uh, and he should invoke the Emergencies Act, invoke martial law and start cracking down on the uh, Freedom Convoy, which again, Brad, as you know, has shut down Ottawa and is uh, impacting all sorts of trade from Ottawa into the United States. Um, And it looks like uh, in some of the premieres of the um, big provinces, Alberta, Manitoba, Quebec, Saskatchewan have all stood up against Trudeau. But uh, it looks like he is going forward. He's starting to confiscate the bank accounts of uh, some of these truckers and freeze them. 
Um, he's also called in again by the Mounties. The Mounties, they've arrested now 11 protesters near Ottawa. And, um, you know, they're also taking uh, some of the GoFundMe sites down in Canada that were being used to fund this, uh, this whole thing. Although I'm not exactly sure how you fund it, right? You just take the truck, you park it, you empty the gas tank, and you just wish them luck. Um, but it's a, uh, it, it seems like a big mess. Biden is uh, trying to get Trudeau to shut it down because it's harming trade across the border. Um, but again, I mean, since he's worn blackface, multiple times in public, you would think that maybe this is a way to distract from that, or maybe this is just some sort of other uh, issue that he has as a leader, but it seems like Trudeau may be in some trouble. But first and foremost, if you find yourself in a conundrum, and Trudeau has definitely found himself in a conundrum, largely of his own making, but a conundrum nonetheless, and you say to yourself, boy, I could use some advice and Joe Biden happens to give you said advice, then you've got quite an opportunity in front of you, right? Because what you want to do, looking at Biden's performance in the country which he runs, and, and nothing is richer than a guy with poll numbers like Joe Biden offering another nation's leader advice on how to conduct his affairs. But the upside for Trudeau is, you know, he, he's holding a compass that's just spinning around in his hand at this point, right? He's looking, he's like, I don't know what to do. I have no direction to go. I've created this problem for myself. I'm admittedly a total jackass. I never should have been elected to this position. I don't know what I'm doing. And now I find myself in this mess. I have no, you know, north. My compass doesn't point anywhere. And then by the grace of God, Joe Biden offers you advice. And all of a sudden, you know where north is. It's in the opposite direction of whatever Joe Biden says. So if Joe Biden is telling you, you know, as a disaster of a leader himself is giving you guidance, you just do the opposite. So if Joe Biden tells you, hey, you need to start kicking ass and taking down these truckers, you nod your head, you say, thank you, Joe, and you begin the process of negotiating reasonably with the members of your nation, those folks who vote, those who are citizens of your country, who have clearly had it with you and your policies, and it's way more than these truckers. I mean, again, as you point out, all over the nation of Canada, people have just had it, and you began the pro begin the process of reasonably negotiating and show yourself to be you know, just half a leader, someone who's got an ear that's willing to listen you know, they can say, hey, I was wrong about some things. Let's see what we can do here. And you get all of that by simply marching in the opposite direction from what Joe Biden told you to do. But Trudeau, being an idiot, is going to do what Biden tells him to do. And the two of them can just enjoy each other's company as their respective administrations go down in flames. Well, it is ironic, right? I mean, you're right, right? You ask Biden, you go left or right, he goes left, you go right. Up or yeah. down, up, you go down. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole Costanza thing, right? Do the opposite, you'll be fine. But you're asking a guy for advice in this COVID crisis about lifting restrictions and, and these crazy mandates that are now almost universally known to be crazy, right? I mean, even in Washington, D.C., right, that, that mayor who basically let the city burn a couple of years ago has now lifted all of the indoor mask mandates, right? I, I think effective coming up in the next week or so. And 
you're asking the guy that's still traipsing around the White House lawn. <clears throat> he's triple vaxxed by himself and he's got a mask on. Yeah, he's a lunatic. And you're asking a lunatic for advice and you're following that lunatic's advice. And that, my friends, puts the final nail in the coffin as to whether or not Trudeau is a lunatic as well. He clearly is. He's not going to survive this. I mean, I think he'll survive it. You know, I don't think it's going to kill him. But politically, he's not going to survive it, nor should he. And he, I, again, these are just the, the, up, the silver lining to all of these issues is, hey, your votes actually do matter. Okay, if you are up there in Canada and you're looking around going, how in the hell did we get here? First of all, you got company, look to the South. All of your American cousins are looking around asking ourselves exactly the same question. Mm -hmm. And the answer is we voted for these people. Okay, we did this to ourselves. It would be bad enough if Joe Biden and Trudeau had somehow seized power, but they didn't. We handed it to them. Okay? Your vote matters. Pay attention. Don't go along with what the mass media is, is telling you to do. For the love of God, put down your tweeter and your Insta face and stop paying attention to that. Do some research. Look at who these people are and vote responsibly. And then maybe, maybe we can get ourselves back on track. This has been a warning and a painful one about the cost of being slipshod in a democracy. But now we have the chance to pay attention, be responsible, hold people's feet to the fire, make sure you ask the questions that you want asked before you step into that voting booth and vote responsibly. And oh, by the way, let's encourage people around us who we think are responsible adult leaders to run and then let's treat them respectfully when they do. Those are the things that we need in order to get out of this hole we're digging. But the first thing we got to do is stop digging. Let me ask you one question, though. And this has been nagging at me throughout this whole discussion. Please. What, 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 what do you think Jonathan Allen's grandpa would say, right? So you plop him down at this table, whether it's the ornate Putin table or whether it's a card table, okay? Then you take a look to your left and to your right and you see the biggest mass murderer in world history, mm. and you see Michael Jackson, okay, one of the biggest pedophiles known to man. I mean, th does that at least call into question his grandkids' um, ability to choose dinner guests and his judgment? Or does he just sit there and eat the Italian meal from Stockton, Brad? No, he throws hands. He takes Hitler first. That's a no-brainer. You beat the tarnation out of Adolf Hitler. You give... Michael Jackson, a hard look, he faints, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen there. Then you grab your grandson by the ear and you drag, him out that, yeah, you, you drag him out of that restaurant yeah. and you give him a stern talking to you. You may even take him over your knee. Pro Bowl, no Pro Bowl, I don't care. You may take him over your knee, cut yourself a switch and beat a tattoo on that rear end. Old school, my friend, yeah. old school. And then you say, you look at him, you look at him, you tell him, look, you dry those eyes. You, ah, you dry those eyes. You listen to me. I raised you better than that. I raised you better than that. Now you go home to your fine wife and you square yourself away. That's what and, you I'm gonna, and I'm going to finish this damn fine turkey tetrazzini alone. There you go. That's what you do. That's exactly how that plays out. You may notice the uh, live piano music has ceased. And what we're now doing with our studio audience is we are preparing, Brad, we have some of our friends from Antonio's in Stockton here 
preparing some fresh pasta. They're making a pasta fagiole to start and uh, some tiramisu and that you may hear some uh, some uh, of the uh, the old cooking in the background, but we are going to hunker down and we're going to sit and break bread with this lovely studio audience, Brad, right after the program. And buddy, let me tell you something. I'll walk a great distance for a good tiramisu. No word of a lie. I love me some tiramisu. You get a tiramisu and a black coffee. Oh, that's all you need. That's it. And then maybe a Sambuco Romana. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Uh, next, Brad, um, we're going to go into our final segment. And there are a lot of things we have to update people on. Uh, first, for a lot of our studio audience members and the folks at home from Arizona, uh, what we're going to need them to do, Brad, is take out their birth certificates and take a look at um, actually the, the, the birth card that you get from the uh, uh, the church when you're baptized, the baptism card maybe, or the baptism certificate. It's sort of like a, um, a COVID certificate, Brad, but uh, get that out, take a look at it. And if you see the name Father Andre Zarango, uh, anywhere on there, okay? Anywhere on there, uh, what we would recommend is you go down to your local parish uh, or, or Vatican City is fine, the Holy See, Brad, the Holy See. Correct. And, um, and give them that and, and, and get yourself baptized again, because apparently Father Andres has had to resign in disgrace because for the past 20 some odd years, he has been <clears throat> using incorrect language to baptize children into the church. And those baptisms have been deemed null and void. He has been using the pronoun we, uh, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as opposed to I, right? I, I baptize you. He should have said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. According to church doctrine, this is inappropriate. You need to use the singular Arango I and not the community we. Um, and uh, because of this, uh, this has nullified the rite of baptism for everyone that has been baptized by Father Andres Arango over the past 20 some odd years. And so, um, again, this is something you have to go sort out with your local parish priest. I wouldn't talk to Father Arango, although I think he is um, on the way out or already gone, but uh, seems like a problem. Um, I, so there's a lot of questions we could dive into there. But I guess my, my key question, I, I, and, and you know me, but I have this question about a lot of, you know, sort of formalized religious practices, right? Mm -hmm. So theoretically, so I'm not picking on the Roman Catholic Church here. Theoretically, what you're saying in your formalized religious practice is that God has said, I need you to do certain things in certain ways, right? So God has you know, some principle that he is putting in front of us as his creation and saying, look, I, this is how we do it. Right? One of those, you know, certainly shared across the Christian faith and it's practiced in different ways, obviously, is the sacrament of baptism right? That's a Christian thing we do. And it's great that the Catholic Church has come up with specific things that you should say while baptizing someone. But are they really taking the position that if a human being voluntarily submits themselves to the sacrament of baptism, and the wrong first person pronoun is used in the course of that sacrament, that God is incapable of, you know, sort of letting that stick, right? So that, that God is sitting in heaven 
for, I mean, it's got to be thousands, right? I mean, this guy's been practicing for decades. Baptism, obviously not an uncommon thing in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And, and God was sitting there the whole time going, no, 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 did I hear a we? Oh, no, no, mm, no, no, uh-uh. no, 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 that, that baptism does not count. Nope. That one doesn't count. Nope. That one doesn't count. I just, I don't understand why we paint the creator of the universe Mm-hmm. in these colors, right? I mean, I, I just don't understand why, where in scripture, Christian scripture obviously is applicable to the Catholic church. You find a na- the nature and character of God to be someone who is splitting hairs mm-hmm. over first person pronouns. I can I don't tell get you it. where, I can tell you where. Okay. It's on the, the Diocese of Phoenix website where it says it is not the community that baptizes a person. And incorporates them into the Church of Christ. Rather, it is Christ and Christ alone who presides at all sacraments. Therefore, it is Christ who baptizes. The baptismal formula has always been guarded for this reason. Next, Brad, an update on the Betty White news. Of course, on our famous uh, New Year's show, you sort of ushered in the death of Betty White by um, thanking goodness that she was alive. And um, now more has come to light. Um, Brad, about her relationship with her other Golden Girl castmates. Again, Betty White, America's sweetheart, lived to be um, very old. Uh, <laughs> very old. Uh, apparently, she, and again, the Golden Girls was a show about uh, three lovely women that lived together in their golden years in Florida. Um, Betty White. Four. Uh, four, five, whatever. Betty White, B. Arthur, and Rue McClanahan. Of course, B. Arthur, Maud, Maud Brad, the uh, lesbian uh, sister-in-law of Archie Bunker, I believe. Yeah, um, not to be trifled with, B. Arthur. Not to be, not to be trifled with. Well, apparently, um, all was not, even though Golden Girls is now the top-rated Nielsen rerun show since Betty White, White died, um, apparently all was not, um, was not um, pleasant behind the scenes. Apparently, uh, uh, the, the lovely B. Arthur, again, Maud, um, was asked about um, uh, uh, Betty White before B. Arthur passed away. And she said, um, yes, she's a F. Basically, she called her, um, I can't say it on CRN radio, Brad, but the worst word you can call a woman, um, she called her that. Hmm. You, can, you, can, you can imagine. Does it rhyme with a football play? It does rhyme with a football okay, play. But there you go. So apparently right. two of the three Golden Girls actually hated Betty that White. Doesn't sound good. That's not a nice thing to say. I don't care who you are. It doesn't get you know. It doesn't get said around here. The she foul sold. You will get your block knocked off. You use that word. Yeah, yeah. They did not like Betty White at all. They, in fact, they hated her. There was a rift between um, B. Arthur and Rue McClanahan on the one hand, and Betty White on the other hand. Um, and they've all been dead for for decades. Some even longer than that. Um, but uh, you know, when you use a word like that word about someone, there has to be something that uh, that led to it and and maybe uh, dare i say it betty white was not uh, as uh um endearing <laughs> as you um yeah well there you go as one might um, hope yeah well and, I mean, there you go and listen as i said we do continue to um monitor these situations and brad we're monitoring them um r.i.p report the great uh ivan reitman the director of ghostbusters Passed ah. away. Again, another one of the icons of the 80s, one of the last big uh, movie makers. 
uh, has, uh, has, has died. Any thoughts on, uh, on Ghostbusters, Brad? But Ghostbusters, the first one, was a fantastic movie. I mean, just, you know, it was like nothing you'd ever seen before. The cast was amazing. The plot was hilarious. The dialogue equally as hilarious. That was an amazing movie. I cannot speak in the same glowing terms for the, you know, follow-ons to said movie. Um, but the first one is, you know, well worth the watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. So RIP Ivan Reitman, you'll be missed. Next and you and I never cross the streams. Never. No matter what happens, no matter where that. we are, no matter what we're doing, we do not cross the streams. Um, uh, next, Brad, a lot going on with the royal family. Um, big news. Oh, uh, obviously, Prince Andrew has now settled his sex trafficking um, civil suit. Um, uh, that is very exciting. I'm sure he's not paying too much for that. Um, we've learned that Prince Charles is in line to become king. Um, the, uh, the queen, the queen has, has basically said that, uh, she may step down at some point. She's also blessed, uh, the Duchess of Cornhall, Camilla Parker Bowles to be the queen, uh, Camilla. And, um, uh, as soon as she did that, and we talked a little bit about this previously, uh, Prince Charles and Queen Camilla exposed Queen Elizabeth to COVID. Um, so again, uh -huh. a, lot going, a lot going on here. There's royal intrigue afoot. Um, what do you think about all this, Brad? Do you think that um, do you think that the Queen is uh, sort of her days are numbered in the uh, in the uh, in the big uh, palace, the castle? Because now that Queen Camilla is a queen uh, in waiting, um, she's got to. You, to be the man, you got to beat the man. You got to knock out the queen. Yeah, what well, which he obviously tried to do with the COVID. But listen, if there's one person on the planet who is bulletproof and invisible, it is the Queen of England. I mean, again, we talked about this last week. Every picture you see of her, she is looking at the camera lens. Like, if you point that thing at me one more time, I'm going to come over there and whoop your ass old school. That, that Every picture you see of her, you look at her and you say, mm, I, I don't want a piece of that. Right. Margaret Thatcher could not outlive the Queen of England. And that's all you need to know about that. But listen, the good news is you come out of this. He sort of comes out of it smelling like a rose. Of course, he issues a joint statement with his accuser and one of many that have accused him of sex trafficking, where the uh, prince uh, says that he pledges to demonstrate. This is a quote, Brad, from the statement. He pledges to demonstrate his regret for his association with Epstein by supporting the fight against the evils of sex trafficking and by supporting victims of sex trafficking. I mean, the one thing I would say is rather than the statement, maybe he should just stop engaging in sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Yeah. yeah. And if there's, if there's, if you are in the business of mitigating sex trafficking, you're one of those folks either officially through a law enforcement capacity or through some, philanthropic organization that is serving the needs of those who have been trapped in sex trafficking, then God bless you. You're doing God's work. God's work. The last thing you want to hear is old Prince Andrew saying, Hey, let me help you with that. No, you stay the F away. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, need yeah. to go over there. You see that hole in the earth that's miles deep. You throw yourself into that. Okay. And if you're lucky, You'll be burned to a crisp when you hit the Earth's core because no one wants to hear from you. Next, Brad, we've got Barter Band, the bronze Stevie award-winning segment. 
Uh, it's being brought to you by Uncle Julio's uh, Italian food in Stockton. Uncle Julio's, where you get all of your veal parmesan needs. Uncle Julio's since 2016. Come join us. This week, Brad, uh, barter band Dino Babies at IBM. But I'm afraid you've lost me. Oh, well, apparently IBM, the big, uh, the big computer company, Brad, they make big computers. Yes, they make international business machines, it's my understanding. Correct. I believe they're located in Armonk, which um, is uh, somewhere in the big uh, New York metropolitan area. Uh, they have been sued now repeatedly for age discrimination um, by several widows of ousted workers and ousted workers themselves um, after people in their late 50s, early 60s were fired being branded dino babies who needed to go extinct, basically turning over an older generation of IBM workers for a younger generation, Brad, of woke IBM workers. I guess there are hundreds now of former IBM employees who are suing IBM for age discrimination. One widow, Denise Lawn, is suing on behalf of her husband who killed himself after being fired in 2016, which is a terrible thing. Um, and the company executives have called these older employees dino babies in internal memos. But Brad, what do you think about this? Do you think dino babies, it looks like they are being banned uh, and barred and banned at IBM, but do you think this is appropriate? And do you think someone should take remedial action? And then on another hand, does anyone really care uh, about IBM anymore? Does it matter as a company? Well, no, it doesn't. I don't get it. I, I don't get the the myopia the myopia 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 there's a vowel in there I think it might be myopia the the nearsightedness maybe I'll just go there of folks who think they can just implement these woke policies with no repercussions no ramifications they're just going to toss out the folks who made the company and they're going to bring in you know these snowflakes into the workforce keep it up because this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be exposed. You're going to be sued. You're going to be made to look like the fools that you are. And you're going to ride your own companies right into the ground. And here on IP Frequently, we will put up a little velvet rope. We will pop some corn and we will enjoy the show. Yep. I, I think that's exactly right. It's an irrelevant company. I mean, Lou Gerstner is spinning over in his grave and I don't even think he's dead but they've fired 100,000 older employees, older meaning, I guess, over 50 or 55. In 2019 alone, 60% of their job cuts are older people. Brad, they're trying to get younger, but how did that work for the Chicago Bulls after Michael Jordan? Uh, no, it didn't. I mean, they, have they been back to the uh, finals? I don't think they have. I don't think don't they think have they either. Have. I don't so think they have. Go. But you know who's going to the finals, my friend, Jonathan Allen, and you will be there as probably as his guest, I assume, in the uh, – owner's box enjoying a lovely uh maybe a hot dog some uh, breaking bread with some of his friends um so that'll be fun for you it'll be nice well i mean again i i don't want to stretch that relationship i don't i don't personally know him i do know his wife to be a lovely gal i'm sure she's probably giving him a stern talking to about his insta face live things but i do look forward to meeting his grandfather his grandfather and i i'm sure could get along quite swimmingly and we will enjoy a hot dog like a couple of Americans, a couple of gentlemen enjoying a football game and squaring away a young man who can play the game, but perhaps needs to, you know, think a little bit further ahead um, before answering very important questions like who would you have dinner with? 
I can tell you one thing, Brad, you and I are about to have a fine Italian feast. Thanks to the good friends at Antonio's in Stockton, California. And when we wake up after that meal, one week from today, we'll see you right here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.